Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Conveyancing Podcast. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. I'm Matthew, I'm your host today and I'm joined again. Uh, It's good to be with you again, Thomas. Hello, I'm glad to be here again. Fifth episode now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's a milestone for us, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) that means, uh, what's that, five weeks doing podcasts then? Yeah. Looking forward to number 10 now. Yeah. That's the next um, one on the number 20. Please subscribe to um, stay connected with us and to get more weekly news. Um, We're also available on the following platforms. uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts and others. And also, uh, I'd like to just make a disclaimer uh, we are not offering legal advice but just an overview of the week's convincing news so um, Thomas alright let's get into it first article of the day comes I think we always start with the Law Society Gazette the Law Society Gazette so this first article say, uh, states the SRA um, staying pragmatic over conduct during UK lockdown. Give us uh, an insight on this, Matthew. Okay. Um, yeah, of course, is they're talking about the coronavirus lockdown, uh, COVID nineteen, uh, which obviously now we're we're in this. You know, it's just started, and uh, this is about the SRA, uh, how are they going to regulate people who are working from home for their firms? I guess they're still going to investigate complaints that come to them uh, by clients um, and focus on whether there's been any misconduct. Hmm... So, um, I guess, what do you think? Yeah, essentially, um, (laughs) it says here, the regulators face criticism for its silence since the Prime Minister first announced restrictions on people's movement last week. Uh... The Bar Standards Board had published its own guidance on compliance within a day of Boris Johnson urging people to stay at home. Hmm. Yeah, so essentially if you came to them with a problem and it talked a bit about coronavirus or the problem had something to do with the coronavirus, they'd probably just say, look, we... We're probably having a... Well, we are having a lot of problems at the moment with this whole coronavirus thing, so we're not going to focus on those sort of problems. They'll, be pro- they'll probably be focusing on other ones, if I'm not mistaken here. I mean, when I when I first read it, I thought they were remaining pragmatic because they didn't have a sort of clear plan. But I think, yeah, it's like you say, they're going to... If a complaint relates to something that's probably due to the coronavirus then they will probably say to the client you know give the solicitor a break because you know it's difficult circumstances yeah i mean we don't we don't really know yet whether the whole system's going to be 
close down. You know, if the banks close, nobody's going to be able to send payments. Um, you know, the whole chain could fall down if one part of it. You know, if the estate agent's not open, the bank's not open, or the or the other side solicitors aren't open. So let's hope things don't get to that point. In general. Yeah, hopefully it's just a couple of weeks, but I know other parts of the world it's already been extended to a longer period of time. Yeah. So the SRA is going to keep its office open in Birmingham. And they encourage their staff to to work from home. So I guess that's pretty much similar to what the uh, lawyers are going to do. Hmm. Law firms. Okay, well, that's nothing um, pretty uh, self-explanatory. Yeah. (laughs) So, moving on with the next article. This is a sort of, we are revisiting something that we've already talked about in the past, which was the topic of the exams being delayed or cancelled for junior lawyers, or lawyers soon to be lawyers. And this article is... uh, it states that uh, the junior lawyers don't want to delay the exams. That's what they're telling the regulator. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, when we when we examined this last week or the week before, um, I didn't really see it from the lawyer, the uh, junior lawyer's side because I saw. Well, I did think that the exam should be allowed to be taken online because the technology should be mature enough to allow that. Um, but, I mean, if you've studied for years to do an exam and then it's postponed, then that's pretty bad because you're going to have to, like, relearn everything. Yeah. So I can understand why they're up in arms about this. I feel like there are many ways they could do this if we're talking about sort of like how an exam is in a normal classroom, if that's how they would do it, then... It, it's easy even if it takes longer it could take a, maybe over the span of three days if it's that many junior lawyers then they could try and like make it so only a limited very limited amount of people go in at a time they do the exam finish next people and then they could keep doing that so that there's not much of a risk for the coronavirus I mean hmm. that probably would be ideal it is the easiest solution too hmm but maybe, on the other hand, it could be maybe a, a disadvantage for the people who go in first because the other people can study it a little lo- uh, longer. But I don't think that really matters. What, a day I or two is not going to online would be easier. It would be reduce the risk. But it says yeah. here that um, the, the social distancing um, ban, well, the social dist- distancing measures may not even have been lifted by the autumn so students may not be able to sit the exams until 2021 or later so you know delaying them by a a year like i say they have to study again and also you're going to have a gap and also they want to get into the job market it might delay the furthering of their careers yeah their earnings potentials I, i think it's bad news So, let's move on to another one from the uh, Law Society Gazette. Hmm. 
This next one says that the SRA has banned five non-solicitors in a week over dishonesty. Um, this one is uh, it's very uh, very simple. These people have done, in my uh, opinion, what I've seen, they've done some sketchy stuff, and that's led them to be banned. Like, for instance, here we have... Um, Yeah, so this case here, for instance, it uh, included a legal executive, Elaine Marshall, from West Midlands uh, firm, Waldron Solicitors Limited, who was dismissed following her attempts to cover up a mistake on a personal injury matter. Hmm. I think this is the least, uh, the least, like, uh, like, um, hard, um, bad one, the, the least worst one. For instance, there's another one where a woman faked the emails and everything. Hmm. Yeah, this. Uh, my first impression was like non. I thought it was sort of non solicitors acting as solicitors, but I realised it was like legal executives, paralegals, sort of not full solicitors, but uh, regulate. You know, people working inside regulated firms, and. Uh, yeah, it's this the one you were saying, the legal executive, she covered up mistakes in a personal injury matter and this paralegal um he felt falsified letters to pretend that a matter was progressing when it wasn't. And yeah, I mean there's not it's not so much to do with convincing, but I guess is this the state of things now? I mean, uh, is it giving too much responsibility to unqualified uh, or le- less qualified people? I, I don't know. Less trustworthy, really, because they could be very qualified, but they just focus completely on the money, and maybe that allows them to slip up sometimes and misbehave in this way yeah the first one I'm not entirely understanding it says she created a court claim form and court order and misled her client and colleagues as to the true nature of the settlement she paid £1,200 from her own funds to increase the settlement when her employers became suspicious, she admitted to forging documents and acting dishonestly. Oh. I'm not sure, like, what... She actually paid out of her own money to the clients to pretend that she, don't like, made them some money or something? I guess? I'm, I'm not entirely sure either. Yeah. It's very strange. And then this legal secretary, legal assistant, <laughs> Fiona Tegg... At Reading practiced Turpin and Miller. She was barred from taking £342 from the firm after fabricating a bank receipt. Yeah, it's not 100% clear, like, what... You know, it tells you the amounts and roughly what they did wrong, but it's not fully clear. No, not really. 
I guess what what happens? I mean, maybe they wanted to become solicitors eventually. Will this bar them from ever becoming a solicitor? I guess so. I mean, it says they've been banned, and some some of these things don't even seem like they're that bad, really. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Any any, if you take funds, it's just uh, theft, isn't it? Hmm. It tends to tends to be theft apart from the guy who was uh, just faking letters to pretend that there was progress like maybe he was um, oh it's a woman sorry maybe she was worried that um, she just didn't want to let the clients down I mean that doesn't really seem like an offence does it no not really I don't think she should have really been banned I mean I I can I can see why she might because some some firms might take longer to do things or yeah like you said she don't she just doesn't want to let them down so she decided to just keep making these letters i guess the trouble is you know if you start tampering with the documents if you like she deleted stuff and she she falsified stuff mm. Mm, i don't know it is a bit strange like it's better to um just leave the documents alone no yeah Moving on, this next one's uh, directly from the SRA, so this is Regulation Authority. And this one states that the SRA sets out its strategic priorities for uh, the next three years. Okay, and um, it looks as if they've been surveying um, members of the public and the profession, the legal profession, to gauge what is the best way forward for them for the next three years. They surveyed 150 members of the public and the profession, and they also did another survey of uh, more than 400 solicitors and consumer representatives. So what they what they came up with, do you want to go through these three, their three um, objectives? Uh, yeah, I can read them. <laughs> So they have confirmed that there are three high-level objectives after everything that Matthew just said. The three uh, high-level objectives are setting and maintaining high professional standards for solicitors and firms, as the public would expect, and ensuring that a commitment to excellent operational service and a positive uh, customer experience is at the heart of all it does. The second one is actively supporting the adoption of legal technology and other innovation that helps to meet the needs of the public, business community, regulated entities, and the economy. And last but not least, the third one, uh, continually building the SRA's understanding of emerging opportunities and challenges for the users of legal services, the legal sector, and its role in effectively regulating it. Okay. So the first one is is kind of um, <clears throat> like when people first registered to be on in the SRA. Uh, I guess they maintain a database of their members and um, they keep an eye on them. And I suppose they deal with any complaints that come in. You know, just regulating. So that's pretty much what they already do, although I guess they're going to like work on their standards and uh, the way that they, the 
the service that they're providing. Hmm. The second one, I guess, they're you know looking at getting more technology. Um, I don't know. Do they provide any technology to businesses? Or I don't it, think yeah. so. It looks like they mostly just support the adoption of the technology. Yeah. So they, and any other innovation. They could advise on what kind of technology you could be using <clears throat> and um, make sure people are using the right kind of technology, not mm. something that's not working for them. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, that should. That's not very free market, is it, to force people to use particular legal technologies? It's like, this is our list of approved legal technologies. I mean, if they know that it's the best, the, the, those legal technologies that they advise on are the best ones, then... Yeah, but the best isn't the most cost-effective from a business's point of view, is it? It could mm. be expensive. True. I mean, well, yeah, if it's very expensive, then it doesn't seem very efficient in, in some cases. I guess if they just list all the technology that's available for solicitors, you know, if the solicitors come to their website, they've got a list of all the technologies, and they've got, like, these are higher cost ones, these are lower cost ones, that would just be helping people out with, um, you know making them aware of it mm. that'd be more helpful the third one is helping everybody to understand so the users of legal services and the providers of the legal services helping them be aware of each other's emerging opportunities and challenges so is that like business opportunities or just I I think it's new services. It, it's probably mostly business opportunities, most likely. Mm. But yeah, it probably does include business and. So the users of the legal services, I guess, they're giving them, uh, trying to make them aware of the legal services that are available for them. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well. It's always hard to... These uh, SRA news releases are quite hard to go through, but I think that one's okay. Yeah, I think we've done that well. This next one, moving on, is from the BBC. So this one is about the coronavirus. It says the coronavirus support uh, is not open to firms like mine. And who's this person who we're talking about? It's Humphrey... Cobold, who runs the Pure Gym, which employs more than 1,500 people. Mm. Yeah, this isn't really about law, but it's just generally about how firms will cope with the coronavirus and whether the government's really going to provide them much support. This guy uh, uh, runs a fairly large business, and he obviously doesn't isn't going to be eligible for any um, help. And, um, I mean, it's not really worth spending your time trying to, like, get handouts from the government if you can uh, just try to keep going. 
but um, it's, it's often annoying when there's this money available but you don't really know how to get it or I know a lot of the government schemes are automatically paid out this time hmm it can be annoying if you don't fit into the boxes you know if they say oh you're too small or you're too large or you haven't got any premises you work at home you or your premises aren't eligible for the for the help uh, I mean trying to get through all these loopholes of government handouts it's impossible yeah he's probably in a bit of a bad spot though because gyms will probably be forced to close or if they're allowed to be to remain open they'll probably won't be open for very long because people nobody... are dripping sweat everywhere aren't they so you yeah. you can't really keep it clean you'd have to have very few people in there I mean gyms themselves I mean you know there's fungus sometimes and there's things everywhere so like someone with coronavirus who doesn't really realize they have it because it apparently stays dormant for a bit doesn't it like mm. it takes i think it's is it it's either three days or a week i'm not sure on the info because it's it seems a bit mixed up like i'm not sure because i've read very various saw, places either this or the other yeah i saw a thing that said it was a week to incubate and then it shows but within two weeks you will have got it fully or got it or got over it yeah so i guess it's either like so it's around a week let's say if you have it already and you don't realize and it's like the first week and you have no symptoms you decide to go to the gym well obviously you know that's how you will uh contage a lot of people hmm most likely so yeah again as i was saying gyms will probably be forced to close down because of the lack of clients and also because maybe they even you know made to close down uh, i'm not sure and obviously well 1500 people who are working there it's not or maybe i'm um, i don't think 1500 people work at the same gym do they it must be a massive gym if they do this man but, uh, ragu kodakandala has to close all seven of his restaurants because he says uh, he can't continue as a takeaway. Like, because a lot of places have just opened as takeaways, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I think that's that's probably the best way to deal with this, in uh, some sense. Other senses, just closing and waiting for it to pass, I guess. Mm. But it's kind of... Do you, you can't really just lay off your stuff, can you? Uh, that's what the government is saying. Don't don't just turn your back on your stuff. Mm. Okay. Let's move on. Moving on. This next one is from the Daily Mail. We've got a couple from the Daily Mail. Uh, uh, this one is, it says, Right Move faces backlash from estate agents over fees, uh, fees holiday as UK property market grinds to a halt. Um, right Move... I've forgotten. Right Move is a, it's a, a big, big online estate yeah, agent. Yeah. It's a big online estate agent that uh, allows you to list your... 
um, is it just your firm? No, it's not your firm. Is it like actual like properties? properties. Yeah, like yeah, your list properties. And they essentially, uh, because of everything that's happening, they're offering a 75% discount to these estate agents for the next four months. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're still says, receiving backlash. It says here that the average estate agent spends over £1,000 a month to advertise on Rightmove. It's quite expensive, but... I guess you've got to be on Rightmove because it is the biggest one. Mm. So Rightmove's offering a 75% discount, which seems pretty reasonable to me. They're only paying 200. I, but I guess that depends. If you're showing down your estate agency, can you cancel your Rightmove subscription just for one month? You know, you could shut down your estate agency for three, four months, depending on how long this lasts for. Yeah, and pay Rightmove nothing. But if you if you're planning to continue and Rightmove's giving you a seventy five percent discount, I mean, assuming that you're still making some money, that seems fairly reasonable to me. But it says mm. uh, the agents are calling on the property listings website to do more, which means for what they're paying, they want more. Is that what what that's saying? That they they want. They ask for more privileges or something from the website. I mean, they want paying. support, but I guess they want Rightmove to waive the fees completely. I don't know. I mean, even if it's trying times, Rightmove's not going to leave them them their whole online service open for zero cost, are they? They could move to an ad. Look, it says to- here, um, the estate agents have joined force to, forces insisting the website offer the agents a choice between the four-month discount or a tariff-free three-month payment holiday. So, basically, three three months free rather than a four-month discount. But That actually saying... amounts to the same thing. That's exactly the same, because if you reduce for four months to a quarter, you're basically giving them three months free. Well, yeah, you're pretty much doing that. And then three months, and then you pay the fourth the same amount. You essentially pay off the last three months. Well, no, not really. I mean, I guess you're starting again from the same price. But I don't know. It's just, again, right move. I'm not sure if they had adverts on their website already or if they solely depended on the money that they got from these estate agents. But... You know, yeah, they like are they're not... selling advertise. They're selling property listings. It's like anybody who's buying and selling a house goes to Rightmove. Yeah, and they're all yeah, but... the properties listed there, and you you can't list a property on there without paying Rightmove. Hmm. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I oh, mean, Rightmove. So you're saying like Rightmove need to make money as well. Yeah, to, essentially to keep providing I mean, service. Well, yeah. I mean, they could probably provide the service for three months for free. Because they've probably gained money at this point that would allow them to do so. I mean, probably keeping up the website is not that hard. Probably doesn't cost too much. But I still believe they should, you know, they should still charge. And they're even offering a 75% discount. Like, hmm. like why would why would you go the extra step and say, hey, give it to us for free for three whole months? Like, they're not asking for one, they're asking for three 
I feel like uh, after maybe a month or a month and a half, maybe this could potentially be over. Or it could be um, better, could have gotten better where the property market is starting its move again. Mm -hmm. So I feel like three months is a step too much, step too far. And also, it says yeah. here that they that they are asking for the option between paying seventy five percent off for four months or choosing the free option, as if like you could choose between one or the other. Like that's not everyone would just go for the free, wouldn't they? Doesn't make much sense. Well, it's like I'm saying, it works out to exactly the same thing unless you didn't, unless you got the three months free and then left the service, which would leave right move completely out of pocket true yeah but I was just looking at there are competitors to uh, Rightmove they're not the only uh, online station there's also Zoopla and On The Market and uh, they're saying that those services are offering better deals than Rightmove is hmm Rightmove is also saying that offering this 75% cut will hit their yearly revenues by 65 to 75 million in this financial year, which is quite a lot. That is a lot, yeah. But it also shows the Rightmove share prices being really high on this. Hang on a minute. That's a one. Is that one day? Oh, actually, it's really low on a one month. It's gone down by 200. Pound. Is that pounds? No, well, it's the index, the share index. It's don't gone down by, well, 200 okay. points. That's probably the price per share, but we don't know how many shares have been issued, so it's not mm. not reflective. I know, but the price has gone down, or the... Yeah, it's gone down. Maybe they've... That's pretty weird. It's pretty steep since... Is that since the outbreak? It's, it was going up, 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 and it just went boom, down. Looks like it, yeah. Everything's been hit, hasn't it? Yeah, pretty much everything. Yeah, again, right move. I don't know, considering uh, how right move are right now, the position they're in, they probably can't offer that free. That's those three months. They probably need the 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 even if it's seventy five percent, they probably could take the cash. Really, I mean, they they probably won't fire anybody now, but after three months they might mm. be looking to lay off staff and it's not going to be good for anybody yeah well what can we do state agents want it free then we'll see how right move responds to that moving on uh this is an article again by the daily mail that um is stating that the house price may fall by as well, house the, the general house price may fall by as much as 20% in the worst case scenario for a virus hit property market. That's what analysts want. Hmm. I think that this could cause a. Um, I mean, many people see us as being in a housing price bubble still, although I think the prices have adjusted over the last 20 years. They were high, and now I'd say they're sort of falling into the right kind of price, but based on a sort of average of a 4% increase per year. But yeah, I mean, this could... Yeah, uh, another way of looking at it, it's like, okay, they could fall by 20%, but is everybody that hard up to... You know, in order to, like, sell your house 
below market price you must need to release some money or you know if it's an investment if you don't live in the property you only rent it out you might want to sell it but if you live in it you mm. haven't really got a choice no unless you downgrade to another house so I just don't know I don't know it depends how bad the economy goes I guess people might yeah. have to move back in with their parents or something I mean, I don't know, if you buy a house and now the price drops, it means that if you sell your house, you will get way less, well, 20% in theory, if it's the worst case scenario, you'll get 20% less uh, than what the house would have cost you or what you were thinking of getting for it. But you could still now, with that money, try and invest into a better house because they've all been hit, in theory. I don't know. Good for first-time buyers, yeah. Well, yeah, it is good to, good for first-time buyers, because now maybe, well, I don't know, with everything, how loans are and everything, like, it just depends if this is only for the virus or if it's for... I guess another thing that affects house prices is how much the bank is willing to lend people. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. Maybe they aren't going to be lending people that much or as much at the moment. Well, they probably won't. Most likely won't. Because someone could have their house up at um, 250 and then the bank says, I'm not lending you 250 for that. Mm. And then they say, I only lend you 200 And then whoever's selling it can't sell it. And then uh, they have to keep dropping their price until it reaches what the bank's prepared to pay. But I don't know why. Would the banks be short of cash? after the virus I don't know I guess they just don't maybe they don't want to be loaning in case people have uh, haven't got the assets to people are losing their jobs pay it back They're not gonna people are people are losing their jobs already mm. it's uh, crazy this is hitting uh, this is hitting uh, this coronavirus is hitting everyone in many different ways Mm. It's sad. It's a shame. So is that the house price, the rate of house price increase? So per month, it's raising, rising at almost one percent. That's crazy. Because yeah. generally, house price should rise at four percent, not like twelve percent a year. Hmm. So, but then, yeah, we've seen some negative growth. Uh, that's that's actually, this graph is over three years. I see. It's on a quarterly basis. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right, 4%. So, generally, it should rise 1% per quarter of the year, your, your house price. Yeah. And... In May 2017, there was zero growth. February 2019, it was negative half a percent growth. So we're not really seeing, over the last three years, probably judging by that graph, you know, I'm not sure, but I would say that house prices probably only risen about 5-6%, whereas it should have been, say, 12%. Hmm. So it's pretty poor, isn't it? Yeah. But then why, you know, if it hasn't been performing very well recently, why would it suddenly crash by 20%? Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, this is not a sure thing, is it? It's a me fool. And then again, 20% is the worst case scenario. So we might only see something like 2, 5, 10%. Mm. Maybe, maybe 5 is the norm of how much it might drop. And then 20 in the worst case scenario. I mean, from a convincing point of view, if people wanted to sell their properties, that'd be good in terms of trading volume. Mm. But if people just don't do anything, if they stagnate, then that's sort of bad for the market, bad for everybody, really. Yeah. Let's hope it doesn't. <laughs> so, Let's hope it does not. So this next one is... Um, I think this is also something uh, that we are sort of revisiting. It's uh, about calling your bank before you cancel your mortgage payments. Borrowers warned that they could unwittingly end up in arrears. Arrears. Arrears and struggle to remortgage. So the reason why I say we are kind of revisiting this is because I think, well, yeah, we've already done it like maybe two times in a row now. Uh, We talked about how... Um, on a case-to-case basis, case-by-case basis, uh, you could be given a holiday for your mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Due to the coronavirus, some banks, some mortgage companies are offering uh, payment holidays, saying that people can postpone their payment, their, their mortgage payment, for, I don't know, one, two, three months. But as you say, um, they they are doing that on a case-by-case basis. So this article is basically warning you, don't just go and cancel your direct debit because you really have to go and check with your mortgage company first. Mm. It's common sense to some, but to others, other people might read headlines and just go ahead and uh, cancel their mortgage payment. That's not good. And we hope it doesn't... There aren't that many people have done that. Hopefully more people think before they do. I mean, we reported it, but we did mention, you know, as we went through the article, we did read it is on a case-by-case basis. So Yeah, and we made that clear. We were... I think we did explain it and everything. Like, if you... If they see that... Well, if they maybe don't want to they might not want to do it with you i mean it depends on different uh things yeah, and it says if you cancel you if you miss a mortgage payment without permission from your mortgage company it will affect your credit rating so you might not be able to get a credit card or you know um borrow some extra money that you need for a mm. car or a holiday or whatever Okay, moving on to uh, the Guardian. Guardian. We haven't done the Guardian uh, till today, and you know this is a cool website as well. This uh, article from the Guardian is about a, a UK state agent who has been accused of inhumane sacking of his staff. Staff. So, a woman claims. Uh, that the staff at estate agents in Camberwell have not been told if they are getting paid. Hmm. 
Yeah, I guess this is another coronavirus article. I don't think any of them are really not coronavirus, but... Um, At the moment, no. Yeah, the government have been encouraging people don't just um, dump your stuff, try to retain them. You know, everybody's in the same boat. Although the government haven't really been clear about how they're going to achieve that, how they're going to um, pay anybody back. Hmm... But, uh, yeah, this particular estate agent, I think it was a heart, yeah, um, heart estate agent in Camberwell. Uh, Amanda Haynes says she was given two minutes' notice, and her other colleagues the same. Seems quite uh, callous, yeah. I mean,. Like this uh, company, there might be many who who might just be doing this because of the coronavirus. Or maybe, you know, coronavirus has come. They're like, maybe some workers don't, maybe, you know, they have uh, problems or they don't want to go uh, to the company. Or maybe some uh, staff have actually got on the coronavirus and they can't go to work. And this might have caused the employer to sack them. Hmm. That would be like the worst case scenario, and that's what I think the government's trying uh, for them not to do. Well, I think it, it's also kind of unfair if, if you're running a business and you follow the government's guidance and you keep you keep your staff, uh, keep paying your staff, and then some people are like, "Oh, I can win from this situation by quickly getting rid of all my staff," and then saving the money that kind of puts them at an advantage the, mm. whole, the whole point is to maintain a level playing field isn't it but like yeah. I say the government the government's a bit vague about what um, what support they're really going to provide yeah if they made it clear or maybe they maybe they don't know what they're going to do yet maybe they they don't know what the help they can give is specifically but Hopefully they broadcast it or they, you know, make it clear and that'll make this sort of case not very apparent, you know, we hope. Either way, moving on to the next article. Uh, This is by Legal Cheek. Um, This is uh, another website that we haven't done. This one is a nice, fun website who has a good chunk of um, law... Uh, articles as well as uh, articles on the SRA and, and such. It has an article here about um, don't let students sit exams at home SRA tells law schools. So this is another one about um, the whole if I'm not mistaken this is about the lawyers and everything again isn't it? The doing junior the lawyers doing their exams. Now sit exams at home I'm going to guess that means doing online. their exams yeah, online yeah this website we haven't done this before I recently bumped into this on Google News and um, they got a nice active comments section so get over to Legal Cheek if you're you're interested in uh, getting more articles more news yeah I mean we just it's the same um, as the previous uh, Law Society Gazette article but I just thought it was good that it was covered also by this publication. Yeah. 
Yeah, and here they are talking specifically about another thing, which is the internet exams. So it's the same, but here what they are talking strictly and specifically about the internet exams. And we see here that they don't want the SRA, the SRA don't want exams being done at the house on the internet. Yeah, that's, they're the ones that are not allowing it. I, I'm yeah. sure the law schools can deal with it, uh, deal with doing the assessments online, but for some reason the SRA doesn't want to do it. They're prohibiting it. So um, this is our uh, second-to-last article. It's on legal futures, and it's about um, MPs back Davies as new legal ombudsman chair. So... It seems we've got a new uh, head of the ombudsman, uh, legal ombudsman. Um, looking at this... Well, she was appointed by the MPs on the Justice Select Committee. And I one thing I found interesting is that she has six other roles. How does she have time to do all this stuff? She is yeah, independent chair of the General Pharmaceutical Council's Assurance and Appointments Committee. Senior independent director of the Parliamentary and Health Service Ombudsman. Member of the Civil Justice Council, Chair of the Prison Education Trust, a member of the Independent Review of Legal Services Regulation Advisory Panel, Deputy Chair of Support Through Court, pers- uh, formerly the Personal Support Unit. Like, seems uh, she's probably got a pretty full diary. Crazy, yeah. That's uh, insane. Also, it says... Uh, yeah, yeah she will be paid. Hmm. Just for doing this role, she will get £52,500 a year, just for 60 days a year, which equates to roughly 300000 a year for that role. That is crazy. So it's pretty good if you can get it. Yeah. That's insane. Last but not least... Uh, here we come again with the country life lovely house <laughs> that we do every single week. This uh, week's house is a picture perfect thatched cottage under 500 grand, which is uh, one of the cheapest luxury houses I think we've done yet, with views over the village green and duck pond. So, this is a very, um, I think, it's a very spacious house again. It's, like I just said, a thatched cottage. Uh, it's also got a sort of... Is that sort of a greenhouse on the... It's a conservatory. Oh, it's a conservatory. Okay. It's kind of like a lounge where you can sit with the glass above your head, um, mm. get sunlight during the day. I guess it's better for the winter months. Yeah, look, I, I can see, see plants in there. That's why I thought it was some sort of a greenhouse but they could you know you can always decorate it with uh, plants the inside anyway that's what a lot of people do um it's a very well maintained garden isn't it yeah I was gonna say it looks very uh very well maintained the grass is very very level as well as the um that little bush over there it's very round they've cut it very nicely <laughs> I'm not a massive fan of thatched cottages i do think they look nice in the countryside but i kind of wouldn't want to buy one myself because 
thatched for me is high maintenance. I mean, I know you probably get grants from the government to maintain them because mm. it's sort of part of English heritage. But I've been to them and sometimes it smells a bit funny. Maybe that's if it needs replacing. And also they're very hot inside. It's a very good insulator. Can can be like really hot in there and dry. Yeah. Plus it's a bit of a fire risk. Oh well. You well, I imagine it's a fire risk. Maybe these days they have modern treatments that make it a bit safer. But um, I mean Maybe these old me. places they're all made of wood anyway, aren't they? So you're probably going to be. Um, So where is this place? Uh, I don't Salisbury. think we actually saw it. Salisbury. Okay. Cathedral City. Is that... That's not where those... That Novichok incident was. Where those Russians released some poison or something. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I... I'm not sure. I don't... I don't think I know of that. Novichok. There's um, another view of the house with the conservatory there and like, yeah. tables and chairs. There. It's from the garden. The garden, again, looks kind of... This This looks like a spacious uh, outside um, little bit here, this garden. The chairs look very nice. Looks nice to sit, I mean, to be in the sun for a bit. Lovely bright uh, living room, like light, bright carpet. Everything yeah. white, white walls. Fa furniture looks very high um, quality. It's very unusual. Very the, the beams on the ceiling have been painted white, whereas normally I'd expect them to be uh, wood. Yeah, they usually usually they're not painted, are they? They just left um, their natural colour, mm. which I think looks nice um, most of the time. But in this case, it doesn't look bad at all. In fact, that wood in the back there that's been painted black mm. is, is that wood at all is that wood that probably is wood. yeah it will be wood. yeah that that's obviously been painted as well so we've got a mix of people painting their wood black and white here mm. there's lovely big stones by the fireplace um yeah that's around here that is a massive fireplace isn't it it's got it's got like um a hood like a bell yeah a bell as well if, if i think it's called a bell for the smoke to go up um, that's really nice. It's yeah, the the sofa looks modern and comfortable, but the other furniture kind of looks a bit dated. But it, it's still yeah. nice. It still be nice to sit. It looks very clean as well. It looks very um, very uh, washed, for so to say. It looks like it's not been uh, used in a while, actually. It looks and like it there's also... no TV here, but in the old days they used to keep the TV in this kind of cabinet. So maybe there's a TV inside there. Yeah, that is one of these um, big cabinets. It's got two larger compartments on the top and then smaller drawer on the bottom. Uh, this is is this this is a dining room, isn't it? This dining room also hooks up to the uh, the um, the conservatory. Yes, I forgot the name again. The conservatory. The conservatory looks nice. They've got uh, a couple of plastic chairs in there with their nice little. Um, pillows and then again this dining room looks very packed with stuff i'm gonna say it looks like it's really really full you've got plants on practically every surface on top of the doorway that goes to conservatory you've got a bunch of plates um looks like a glass vase 
and then the window even the window has its own plants mm. well, they must be so, keen, keen gardeners no? yeah I really like those windows too rounded ones What's this? everything's this very is bright of, uh, like white carpet you wouldn't want to like stain it up like come in muddy boots or whatever <laughs> Yeah, which is another point in their favour because it looks like they are big on uh, whoever's living here already. I'm going to guess is big on gardening, and they yeah. don't have a spot of mud on any shot of this carpet. This is crazy. Unless they always have it, you know, maintained and cleaned. Yeah, I love these very, old uh, wooden doors yeah. with um, they have like a latch, um, a latch rather than a door handle, you know. And mm. um, and they don't really fit that well, and it's quite kind of barn door sort of. A yeah. Thing. But I also imagine like a house like this, because people used to be shorter in the old days, probably hit your head on the tops of the doors. Yeah, you probably will. This is a wow. So the kitchen is extremely modern, or it feels like it's very modern. It mm. um, it's got very. Uh, so, first of all, obviously there's no carpet here. I've, I see a very nice uh, floor with this uh, very typical pattern, but it looks very nice. Mm-hmm. The wood and every single thing on the kitchen looks brand new. Everything. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's been put um, not long ago. Tops it doesn't really year, fit with the rest, does it? It's no, not- it's a very different style. You, go, you take a shot of the kitchen, then you take a shot of any other part of the house and you put them together and you ask someone do you think this is from the same house and they probably say no mm. and then I think the this, this table that we have here for probably eating, eating for a quick uh, a like meal or whatever table isn't it yeah I was going to say <laughs> it doesn't fit very well in this kitchen does it uh, it's it's okay if you're if you're in and out of the garden it's probably quite practical. Wait, is that two washing machines? They've maybe got a washing a washer machine and a dryer, next to it. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. It might be. There's plenty of space for all the appliances, but yeah, that yeah, one doesn't really fit with the rest of the kitchen. But mm. there's a little pond in the back garden and some uh, benches. Yeah. Around it, this would be quite cool. Wow, this is. Pond. This is very big. This is um, a very big garden. I was expecting less for um, what the price is supposedly. Yeah, 500 below 500 grand. Uh, 500,000 pounds. Um, yeah, it's got a nice little pond and everything. It'd be fun to have some sort of animals in there. You know, maybe you could have some frogs or some uh, fish. <laughs> oh, here's the price. 499 <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, that's the last article for today. And um, thanks again for tuning in. Um, I hope that you're okay with the coronavirus and everything out there. Anybody that's listening, um, stay safe. Don't get yourself, try not to get infected because it's not going to be nice if you do. Um, Stay at home, work from home if you can Mm. and um, yeah please subscribe if you want uh, to keep getting news like this Um, thanks again Thomas for joining in today my pleasure it's always great to be on here 
I hope you all have a very nice day, a very nice week. We'll see you next week. We are going to be doing a podcast every week. Don't forget, as Matthew said at the beginning and the end, tune in and subscribe. And I'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye.